Has Russia gone all in on their Luhansk offensive? What is Russia's ultimate goal? And just why is it still pushing everywhere else? I'm Paul, U.S. Army combat veteran. It's February 9th, 2023. This is your daily Ukraine update. Let's get into it. Okay, first, when we look at the control map, the most interesting data point is that there's actually no clarification. And this is, I think, significant. We've talked about this for some time, that it seems likely that Ukrainian forces just realized quite a while ago that Russia was planning something large in this area. And so they wanted to have the troops available to counter this fight. So they went from a uh, full defensive effort to a defense in depth in Bakhmut. And this is key for them because while they are yielding some level of territory in Bakhmut, it's done in a way that is deliberate. And it appears to have thus far avoided major Russian breakthroughs or encirclements. Uh, though obviously, again, Krasnohora, they really should start considering their withdrawal plans. But most important, though, is the fact that it sounds like Russia has really, really gone all in on this Kramina Lyman push. And they and they have nothing to show for it. That's the most important thing, is that they haven't achieved their full breakthrough. Now, let's be clear on how these offensives often work. Yes, in NATO doctrine, our offensives don't take time to build. Uh, they push hard, they are lightning fast, and they really try to achieve a breakthrough and exploitation. That's kind of the method of maneuver warfare, is you break the enemy and then you exploit them, never letting them establish a good defensive position. That's how the Kharkiv offensive generally went. In contrast, uh, positional warfare can look a little different. Um, it still involves attempting to break through the enemy's lines, but it can often involve a sort of wave effect where you push waves and waves of troops at a problem um, and you find the place where the water gets through. You find the leak and then you continue to exploit the leak. Um, and this is probably what I think Russia is going to be trying to achieve in this style of offensive. And so when you have this kind of wave method, um, again, think of it or think of it more like a rising tide. The tide is going to be pushed up against Ukrainian defensive lines, looking for gaps where it can pass through. And then when it does, they're going to double and triple down on it. So when we look at the combat map, we can see some interesting things in the last 24 hours. First is that there is uh, reportedly by Ukrainian forces limited Russian offensive work being done here. Uh, but there are some rumors that, again, this offensive can go as far as Savote and as south as Bilohorivka. So I think this may actually still indicate that this offensive is happening. Remember, these are just reported uh, attacks. They don't necessarily, they're not scaled in any way. So this could be an attack of hundreds or even thousands of troops. These could be attacks of 10 or 20, and they appear on the map as the same thing. Uh, so you can see that, of course, there remains the high level of enemy activity in and around Bakhmut. Um, you can see this is actually reporting that Russian forces are on the outskirts of Chasiv Yar. Um, but importantly, this road remains open, though it's so close to Russian forces that it's 
almost a certainty that other than for the supply of troops actively in the defense here, uh, this is probably the key route keeping uh, the actual defenders of Bakhmut supplied and fit uh, and equipped, right? So you can see Russia really wants to try to break Chasev Yar, break into Ivansky, um, and of course continue their advance through Bakhmut, including in the northeast of the city. They want to encircle Chasev Yar. There's a lot of areas where this is uh, Ukrainian forces are under threat. And again, because they are stretched relatively thin, especially considering you have all of this busy work here in Donetsk likely being executed by the DNR and LNR, and you even have Volodar. And what's interesting is you can see here, outside of Volodar, you actually have um, a report of a fairly large number of uh, lost vehicles by Russians in an attempt to uh, take Volodar. So this itself is pretty interesting because this is a this is a pretty significant amount of combat power that's here. And as you guys can see, we've talked exactly about this very strategy, right? This is what this punishing Russian offense looks like. Uh, I think this may actually be triangulated correctly. But when you make the enemy go on offense and you're on the defensive, they have to come out of their defensive posture and begin to transit you can literally see what happened that there was some sort of uh it looked like they were in formation moving along and exposed ukrainians identified their location and using either atgms or artillery or more likely a combination just began to punish this formation this unit and were able to stop the attack dead. Uh, I would be curious if th there was ever even really a fight that took place here. Um, if the tanks were ever able to identify Ukrainian positions and engage them. So this is itself very interesting and I think very illustrative of the fighting efforts in all of these places where much of the um, ground fighting is defensive by Ukraine as their forces try to maximize casualties and force the Russians to abandon prepared defensive positions and punish them as they maneuver. Um, of course, simultaneously, uh, President Zelensky is in Brussels uh, for the European summit, um, trying to get more aid and more um, support from the NATO community to help blunt this offensive and be well positioned. Because if there's one thing that I think we should be certain of, it's that if Ukraine has the forces to do so, it will almost certainly launch its offensive um, immediately after this Russian offensive culminates, right? What you want to do, think of it like a fighter. Um, you want to launch, you know, your own blitz, your own big attack, your high volume combinations. You want to do that as soon as and when your, your enemy is at their most exhausted. So in, in wrestling, we sometimes call it shot counter shot. And that's the idea that when your opponent tries to attack you, you stop their attack, and before they can reset themselves to a good defensive posture, you launch your own attack. And that would be what would be optimal for Ukraine. The question is, of course, can they get their uh, heavy, um, the Bradleys and the Leopards and the main battle tanks that they've gotten, can they get those to the fight in time? Uh, and with enough, can they stop Russia's offensive? and then still have enough spare resources to launch their own.
it's really the billion dollar question. Um, but when we look at the Institute for the Study of War, you can see they have, they too yesterday assessed that the offensive has begun, um, that this is part of a steady increase along the Savote Kremina line in Luhansk Oblast. Um, Russian sources widely reporting that conventional Russian troops, this is this would be like Ministry of Defense troops, are attacking Ukrainian lines, making marginal offensives around the Kharkiv-Luhansk Oblast border, um, particularly northwest of Savolte near Kupiansk and west of Kremina. Uh, so this is this is again we're looking at well here and here. Uh, Russian command appears to have fully committed elements of several conventional divisions decisively. Uh, that means that there's no reserve element. Uh, to commit decisively is to is to leave lim only very limited reserve uh, forces in reserve. Um, several elements of a is some motorized rifle divisions, 90th tank division, and most importantly, elements of the of an airborne division. This is Russia's top tier of troops, the um, VDV, uh, their version of like the 82nd Airborne, really just considered what used to be crack, but conventional troops um, are all going in on this Savote Kremina effort. And but they argue it hasn't reached its full tempo, um, that there's still uncommitted uh, elements of a you know, tank division, a motorized rifle division, uh, and that they think that it's going to build up over time, which is itself pretty interesting. I think that's a pretty standard, like we talked about. The idea is that they're right now looking for that hole, that gap, that vulnerable area in Ukrainian lines. And when they break it, that's when those reserve elements are going to go into the fight. Or, they could go into the fight at the decisive point when they sense that the dam might be breaking or is stretched to its absolute limit. They're going to be able to commit these reserves and make uh, let that be the thing that breaks open Ukrainian lines. Again, it's worth pointing out that while there's probably some mechanization, there's probably not enough to really have a mechanized invasion force. And as the Russians have painfully learned time and time again, they have to be able to move not just their armored forces, but a sufficient amount of accompanying infantry um, without which the armored forces will simply get torn apart. So we are going to see the next probably, I'm going to say the next seven days are going to be really critical for the war effort. Um, and will determine the success of Russia's offensive. Anyway, guys, that's all I had, of course. Um, be sure to check out the Patreon. Uh, new video is going to be dropping tomorrow. Uh, we always check out the viral combat videos of the week, and you know this week is going to be loaded with some combat videos. Um, thanks again to my colonel-tier patrons, Thomas McLeod and Robert Colburn, and of course, thanks to my lieutenant-tier patrons. You guys are the ones who really make this possible, um, and I appreciate you. And until next time, I'll see you guys later.